on this episode of Team Building Saves the World. Little girls versus little boys are socialized to be like it's okay to be a little bit louder if yeah. you're a boy. It's okay to have be a rambunctious, you know, bunch of boys. Boys will but, be boys. Right. Yeah. Don't look to the organization to provide you with the perfect opportunity and yeah they're not going to give you the map and the only time we can bring our best thinking is when our thinking isn't hijacked by thinking that again yeah who we already are is not enough right because it's generally about diversity you you agree it all comes down to the bottom line i hate that that's that's what's true but it is the truth yeah It's me, your old friend Rich Rinnensland, host of Team Building Saves the World, the show where I speak to the leaders and innovators in employee wellness and corporate culture on how it reflects in the world of today. And today we're discussing empowering women with the CEO of Bridgewell LLC Professional Services, Asia Brebeskia Hedin. But first, I need to share some love with my supporters at Team Bonding. If your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play, then visit teambonding.com to learn more. Now, team, please join me in welcoming an accomplished leadership coach and the CEO of Bridgewell LLC Professional Services, Asia Brebeskia Hedin. Hello, Asia. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Applause. I love the applause. Oh, yes, I have, I have uh-huh. a thousand people chained up under my desk just to applaud you. That is literally oh. the only reason they're here. They've broken up into their own little teams, and a lot of women are in charge. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to the point of today. We are talking about empowering women, of course. But I want to start off just telling my team out there a little bit about you. Like, how did you get, how did this become your field of choice? Yeah. Well, my background, Rich, is actually in management consulting. So okay. as I was in, in business school at USC, like, way longer ago than I want to admit, <laughs> I went really hundred percent and exclusively focused on becoming a management consultant. Cause I heard about this thing called management consultant consulting, and it just sounded amazing going in and helping companies create new capabilities or, you know, fix problems, just do things better. That just sounded like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, so that fortunately I was successful. I was able to get into management consulting, right? That didn't, I, I didn't have to uh, detour from that. But over the years, what I found working with leaders inside of so many different organizations and and across industries, it was that the best indicator about of whether that priority, that initiative, that change, that new capability or transformation was going to happen. It was not always what people thought it was going to be. We often thought it was going to be like, you know, having the perfect plan and was the perfect consulting team in place. Do it was everything perfectly resourced, you know. Do we have the right leader at the helm? And what I found over the years and continue to observe today is that the best indicator of whether those priorities and initiatives and goals and dreams are gonna kind of come to fruition Mm -hmm. and deliver on the actual promise that got them funded in the first place, right? right? Which sometimes we forget to go back and look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, The best indicator was typically whether the leader and the people involved in the change 
actually thought they could make it happen. Like actually thought they could figure it out when things go sideways. Okay. Like it really came down to that. And once I kind of started connecting those dots, I, I, I realized how much I liked working on that side of it, of helping the leaders and the teams recognize the impact of being willing to kind of like have their own backs if something goes wrong Mm. and and putting their chief strategist hat on and thinking, okay, we got this, we can figure it out. How do we move forward now? Right. Right. All right. So let's talk about empowering women. I mean, talking about not wanting to discuss how far back we all come up from. I can remember very clearly being aware enough in the eighties to realize that this was apparently supposed to be the time of women in the marketplace. But unfortunately, to do so meant that they had to wear outrageous shoulder pads and completely neutralize themselves to remove the women from the part of them being there. Yeah, yeah. But as as I had been had been led to understand, changes were in effect. People were being women were being recognized. Women were attaining higher offices than they had before. But then you still keep hearing the pay discrepancies. What is it? It's like 70 cents for every dollar a man makes? Something like that, yeah. For people with comparable background, comparable experience. Doing the exact same job. Right. Yeah. So how is this still happening and how bad is it now? Let's start there. Okay, for one, uh, of course, yes, it is still happening, and we see it, and I see it, and hear about it every day from my clients. And while I don't work exclusively with women, you know, I have uh, sure. men on the roster as well. Certainly, around the topic of um, pay equity, uh-huh. the conversation really is with the women who I work with and the the, the uh, women executives I work with, and. <clears throat> How it's still happening now, I think it's that we're, we've tolerated it. Like, okay. it's okay. And we feel like it's improving, right. so maybe we can take our eyes off the prize. But, but the reality is that, at least what I'm hearing from my clients, is that as women are moving and finally getting the opportunities and moving into the, those higher roles, mm. with the higher reach, and the possibility of pay inequity is also increasing with it. Okay. Right. Which, which kind of makes sense if you think about it, right. If, if right. down here at, you know, whether you want to think about the entry or the mid level, right. we have pay inequity. Yeah. You can only imagine that pay inequity, you know, increases as you go higher. In right. fact, not too long ago, I was with an organization, of course, I'm not going to name any organizations or timeline, but mm. where I learned I was making $60,000 a year less than my male counterpart doing the same work. Shocking, of there course. There it is, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Again, and this this wasn't, you know, all that long ago. Right. So it, it, I think it continues to happen partially because we have pay secrecy from where I'm sitting. Yep. Right. That lack of transparency and openness around pay allows for those kind of, you know, secret inequities to continue and go unnoticed. You know, the other side of that, I'd say, is also that you have these kind of muzzling agreements with organizations. So even when someone, let's say, is successful challenging that and getting, you know, some sort of adjustment, modification, 
or um, even after the fact, some sort of settlement, there's often some sort of, you know, muzzling that goes along with receiving that accommodation or that pay or, or that adjustment, whatever the case is. And so we're even less likely to hear about, you know, all that's happening and not happening and, and the kind of foul play in the background and all those things. I remember very specifically hearing somebody had been saying how a lot of this comes from the fact that women don't know how to uh, stand up for themselves when it comes to salary negotiation, that they're the first ones to actually say, and this was only maybe five, six years ago that I last heard this, where it was women are the first ones to say, the salary you're offering me is fair enough, I'll take it. Whereas a man will go, nope, let's talk about how, how, how much higher you're going to go. And then they will be more aggressive in their negotiating for themselves. But the women didn't have that tactic at their disposal. Is, that, is there any truth to this or is it as ridiculous as it sounds? You know, it does sound ridiculous. And I think there was some truth to it. But I'll tell okay. you, that's also, you know, it's less nature than it is nurture. Right. right. Because if, if you think about it, the way that um, e- even today, you know, little girls versus little boys are socialized to be like, it's OK to be a little bit louder if yeah. you're a boy. It's OK to have be a rambunctious, you know, bunch of boys. Boys but, will be boys. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We never said that about girls. Right. Right. <laughs> we never said that about girls. Yep. And so there's this expectation and um, this kind of unspoken agreement that we should be more modest. We should be more humble. We should be more, 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 you know, kind of gracious and grateful, you know, than our male counterparts. And so we don't get into those uncomfortable conversations and negotiations I, and they're, they're just glad to be here. I can't help but laugh because I know none of these women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am so on the outside when it comes to the corporate world. But the women that I have met throughout my the entirety of my 50 plus years, none of them would equal that sort of demure representation. So, yes. so, so okay, we kind of understand where it started we, and we understand a bit where the pay discrepancy is coming from. Not that it's good, not that it's fair, but we see it. We know that it's there. What else are we looking at? I mean, there was the whole Me Too, which is unfortunately gone far too quiet because I know it can't be done. Now no, that it, no, we know it's not done. Right. Yeah, and in fact, what I'm they, I'm... they shined the spotlight and the cockroaches scurried. Yeah. But it's not over. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think it's over uh, by any and every stretch of the imagination. I, I do think, though, that, and I don't know, you know, Again, I have perspective from what my clients bring me. Sure. But what I have heard out there, not even necessarily from my clients directly, is that there's been this sort of supposed backlash, right? Now, okay. it may just be the, the the men who feel pointed out, but this sort of hesitation to then take women you know, under your wing to be a male with a female mentee or to be a sponsor to a female mentee for fear that it'll be either misconstrued or that you'll be accused of something or whatever the case is. But, you know, what I've got to say about that, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I got something to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm here. Yeah, really, though, what I have to say about that is that if you are, you know, one of those folks who are, are coming from the right place but didn't recognize how much the line had moved. Right. Then I, I get it. You know, there's going to be some stumbling, stumbling ground and maybe some grace and some kind of accommodation. Mm-hmm. But if you're on the other side where it's coming from an, well, I'll show you. Okay. <laughs> you're going to say that I need to behave in a certain way or I need to treat you in a certain way or that um, telling you you look nice you know, somehow is taking away from your value and professionalism, then I'll right. show you, I'm going to make myself unavailable. I'm, I'm not going to mentor. I'm not going to see you as a viable candidate for moving you up the ranks, even when you're ready. Mm. Right. It just, it's hard to say where that's coming from. I do still think that all of that is still, it's still getting worked out, but I'll tell you, I think it was also interrupted because of the pandemic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Everything kind of came, everything came to a stop. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah, even the benefits, even the, even the things we were trying to improve, suddenly we had to shift all of our attention away from. Absolutely. Okay. But now just talking about women in the marketplace, I was looking at an article that was saying that while we are seeing a rise and an increase of women in the corner office, they got mm-hmm. the, they, they're now there in the positions of power and it's still only like 6.4% of fortune 500 companies have women in those leadership roles. Yeah, it's still, we have such a long way to go. And the thing is, yeah. you know, we keep saying the, you know, if you're on LinkedIn or whatever social media you're on, you know, right. you have the organizations who are telling the fact that they have their first woman on the board or they're, first you know fill in the blank yeah you know black c-level whatever or chief executive of this and that and the fact that we still need to call those out we know they're still an issue right 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 right. Right. you're calling it out because it is the outlier and this has been going on for 50 years i can only remember it becoming an issue starting in the 80s where you had your Martha Stewart's, you had those women of power who were in the higher reaches of offices, but they were still so few and far between. And they are now, while improving, still so few and far between. Yet their training has been just as good as the training that the men had received. Their education levels in most cases were higher. Higher, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they understood that they had to be the ones to get the degrees, whereas the men who started in the mailroom and got to build themselves up. Right, right. Yeah, that, that old that right. old career path. Exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to start, now that we've talked about where we are and how much farther we have to go, I need to step away from you for a real quick second because my producer, Anna, is buzzing away in my ear to remind me then I need to tell my team out there about a company I'm very proud to be a part of myself, Team Bonding. Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalog of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunt to Jeopardy and so much more, the team bonding of activities with a live, virtual, or hybrid maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. 
So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And we are back with Azia. Azia, okay, so it's not great, even though it is improving. How can we make it better? Where's the next step we need to go? So I guess I, I would answer that from two different perspectives, right? Wait. So one from the side of the organization. Okay. Right, right. From the side of the organization, people in, in decision-making roles and positions of leadership get really curious when having women in places of power or certain groups or characteristics in places of power are still outliers in your organization. Get okay. really, really curious and start to question what it is that's going on that has you unable or unwilling to recognize leadership and potential and uh, the contribution of those certain groups. Now, when you say get curious, are you talking about women within the corporation, women coming into the corporation, or just anyone? Yeah, anyone in okay. a position of leadership who has an interest in ensuring that their organization is really capitalizing mm -hmm. on the best that everyone's individual leadership has to bring. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Because okay. when we decide we're gonna be blind to someone's contribution yeah. or their way of contributing, we've not only closed the door to their contributing in the future, okay. but really lost the opportunity to see how that fits into the bigger picture, right? So there's that, that kind of organizational side, just get curious, like what is happening in your organization you know, that it is still noteworthy that a woman or a person of color or whatever the case is, right. is now in the C-suite. Yeah. Why is that noteworthy? What is so surprising? Mm. You know, what calls it to be so surprising? So that's one side. Now, the other side, now this is for, <laughs> you know, the women and anyone else who needs to hear this. Inclusion is something that needs to happen and be a focus and a lens through which organizations make decisions, right? So that's why I ask you to get curious on that side. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure that there is no question here that I'm saying it is the organization's responsibility to make business decisions through the lens of inclusion, right. exactly the way it's the organization's responsibility to make business decisions through a lens of integrity, for example, right? Right. Exactly. It's a lens. It goes yeah. without saying. It's yeah. not a checklist. It's a lens through right. which you see the decisions you make. Now, bringing it back to the individual, right, to the woman, to the, the candidate, the applicant, the employee, whatever the case is, mm -hmm. I want you to decide whether you want their inability to get it right to be what dictates how you show up. Okay? So let them get it backwards let them be late to the party okay if that's what they're gonna do you know that's not what they should be doing right, right? let's get clear about that yes but now you get to decide how you're gonna let their backward notions their bad behavior their poor citizenship impact your leadership effectiveness how you show up the way that you're able to articulate what and how you contribute Okay. So you see, we're not taking the onus off of the organization, but what we are doing is bringing the empowerment back to the individual to say, 
And yes, you know, they're, they've got it fast backwards, pardon my French. By all means. <laughs> you know, and I get to decide now how I want to show up, how I want to represent myself, how I want to advocate for what I know needs to happen, um, how I want to elevate others in spite of them not having a lens of inclusion. Right. So I think that that is where we have the biggest opportunity. You know, don't look to the organization to provide you with the perfect opportunity. And yeah, they're not going to give you the map. They're not going to lay it out for you. Here's your steps to success. Yes, yes, because less and less are we seeing that, right? right, right. We're, we're not seeing that. And, and same thing goes for your career path in general. You know, when you, you we used to look at organizations and there was a clear career path. And like you said, you might start in the mailroom yep. or whatever it yep. is. And then you knew what the, the path was and where the opportunities lay and where you could branch from one area to another. Mm. That simply doesn't exist anymore. You know, so what, what does that mean that? Does that mean that there are no career paths? Of course, that's not what it means. What it right. means is that we need to be the chief strategist for our careers. Okay. Right. We need to design and define what that might look like for us. And then from that place with that clarity of what we're trying to accomplish, you know, how we want to contribute in this organization or the next, we can go ahead and decide kind of, you know, like if that's the destination and maybe you can't take a, a direct bus over there, mm-hmm. like what connector buses do I need to take to get there? If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So how do we do it? How do we empower these women? What can we give them that will help them to make these decisions for themselves? I think make it safe to screw up. And that goes for everybody. Okay. Right. That goes for everybody everywhere. If you want people to be empowered and bring their best thinking and contribute from the highest of their abilities, Mm -hmm. make it safe for them to screw up. Let them know that a screw up is not a death sentence for their career. Right. Right. And individually, we also need to recognize that failure and screw ups are not a death sentence for our self-esteem. Yep. We get way significant about setbacks or about being embarrassed or about getting it wrong or not getting picked or I don't know. We get really significant about that stuff. That's not what it means. We love to see everybody's success story, but we don't want to look back at the the spills and the tumbles and the scrapes and the bruises and the setbacks on the way. Like we want to forget that piece, Mm. right? But we still go with the platitudes of, yeah, of course, there's no success without failure. We say that, but we mean that for everybody else, not for (laughs) for us. (laughs) But companies do that too. Teams do that too. Sure. No, it's real. There is no success without failure. So make it, you know, create that environment where people want to bring their best and go all all out. And, you know, if they they screw it up, they they screw it up with an eye towards, and now what do I need to do, right, to make this better? So how can you shift that lens from, you know, being a dig for your team or that individual, you know, the woman on the board having gotten something wrong, and turn it into all right for stepping out and being bold. Now, what, where do we, where do you want to take this now? Okay. Right. What else? I mean, okay. Allowing for screw ups because it's going, if I'm, if I'm allowing the men to screw up, cause God knows over the years they have, then we got to let everybody screw up. So, yes. okay. What else is next? Oh gosh. I don't know. Let's see. I think that, I that mean, that's a huge one. step. I, I, I completely agree. That's a giant step. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. But I think stay curious, right? And I know I started there with being curious. Sure. But stay curious. Like, what's missing in this room? Who's missing in this room? Okay. What assumptions are we making about who can and cannot fulfill on this role? And how can you actually invite people, you know, who are interested into that that stretch space? You know, we used to talk a lot about stretch roles. I feel like there's a lot less conversation about that now. I don't know. I don't what, know are, because, what are stretch roles? Yeah, well, stretch roles being the, the opportunity to do a role that maybe you're not quite ready yet, okay. but that a sponsor or a mentor thinks, you know what, you can grow into it. Mm. You know, and it might be a stretch project right. or an initiative right. or season or something like that. But really having that opportunity to try it on and get it wrong, you know, and learn in the process. Because, I mean, that's the thing. When we give people permission to to fail and to get it right, we're, we're, we're creating this opportunity for them to actually learn from experience, for them to get curious about how to do it next time and, and kind of start to... to build that kind of courageous approach to work as they go, right? It doesn't mean that they're not going to have self-doubt, but you're kind of normalizing it and saying, okay, try it. You know, bring that scientist brain, try it and see what works, see what doesn't, what can we learn from what didn't work, right? And how do we take this forward with us? I think the the worst thing we can do, there are a lot of worse things we can do, but one of the worst things we can do is have people feel like, unless they get it right, that there's no value to their contribution or there's no value to their effort. Okay. Right? Because yeah. what, what kind of leadership direction does it take to take a perfect team and have them deliver? Right. It takes very little. What you want is to take the team you have and have them deliver. And that's why I love what you guys do with the team bonding and having people actually be curious and open enough to get to know each other and like each other. Yeah, it is huge. It is a, it is a big deal when you consider how much time we spend at work. Our willingness to be you know, courageous, like what I was just talking about, is, is going to just grow exponentially if we actually like the people we work with and feel like we respect them and they respect us. It doesn't mean we agree on anything, right? right? One has nothing to do with the other, but you can know that they've got your back. That sounds like a really strong positive step, like like a positive effect that comes about from the self-advocating, from the permission to fail. How do we convince a corporation that, Allowing for all of this, even though it's not been a part of that particular corporation's corporate identity, what's the benefits they need to look at and see that it's that it will actually allow for positive growth for the company itself? Yeah, I think honestly, every time that an organization talks about innovation, mm. this is what they're talking about. If if they're trying to have a culture of innovation and people bringing new ideas, new lenses again, through which to see the work they've been doing. Right. It is because they're allowing for this. The problem is we have the organizations that like to toss out the word innovation, but that's yeah. not what they mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they mean 
We want guaranteed results with right. no possibility of failure, setback, we're, embarrassment. We're going to or... show you all the new ways we're going to do exactly the same thing because it's worked in the past. Yes. 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 Exactly. That's exactly right. And I'm like, that is not what innovation means. That's not it. Plus, if we're looking at the actual makeup of the corporate culture now, you've got the millennials who are the largest generation currently existing in the workforce. Plus, you've got now Generation Y coming into those areas themselves. They're graduating from or either going to college with that eye towards business and they're going to start internships soon and so forth, or they're ready to graduate and just jump into the pool. Because we, we know that these younger people look at companies and they're looking for this kind of diversity. They're looking for that positivity. They're looking for the company that's different enough in their line of thinking. Is that just another possibility to, to have to, the company realize that this is what we need? Yeah, because it's generally about diversity. I, you know, Wouldn't I you agree. It all comes down to the bottom line. I hate that. That's I, that's what's true. But it is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all comes down to the bottom line. So I think that for organizations who've been able to capture the cost and impact, for mm. example, of turnover and key talent leaving and uh, losing key contracts to organizations who expect something different, more better, you know, whatever the case is, it becomes apparent. The challenge is the organizations that have gotten so big or have such a backing that unfortunately, as someone once said, you know, they could walk out on the street and shoot somebody and people would still come to their- Sure. To their aid, right? With, sure. with somehow, I don't know who you mean, justify. but sure. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm just saying there's some organizations, right, yes. Yes. that that have that going on, right? And so it it almost comes down to, and I know we're we're talking very specifically about business and and careers yeah. in this space, but about how we're making decisions elsewhere right about sure. those organizations like is it okay that the board of this you know 300 year old company or whatever the case is is still all white males right <laughs> right? right they're not at all hesitant about marketing in the communities that don't look like that yep and taking money from those communities but it, it is where you know to what point and how long is that acceptable okay so let's look at it from the other end what are the companies that are doing it right, doing right? What's the shining example on the hill of what this company is doing that are going to draw people to them? Because yeah, the I love that question. I'm trying to, what's coming to, to mind right now is I've been seeing a lot of talk about returnships or women, you know, returning to the workforce who okay. might have been away either on a career break, taking care of family, alien parents, children, whatever the case is. Yep. And them actually creating opportunities for women to come in with the support and the structure to then, you know, get them into these positions that really would kind of harness their background and their expertise and their education and all that good stuff. Right. And one that's coming to mind, it's, and I, I, I'm not going to name it because I'm going to forget if I'm saying the right consulting firm. Okay. But it's one of the consulting firms who actually has this beautiful returnship program. Hmm. And I think that that is a model that is going to serve, you know, not just women, 
returning, Mm -hmm. but people with kind of those, those neat, unusual backgrounds that like when they walk in the room, they bring a whole different lens. (laughs) Right. And that like opens the door to that kind of like the the programs that try to bring more veterans into the workplace because they see the benefit of, well, not only serving people who serve our country, but in addition to that, of bringing in that different lens and different way of doing things specifically to what you alluded to a minute ago, of because we've always done it that way and doing more of the same that we're going to call it by a different name, but it's really the way we've always done it. It is remarkably hard for a room full of men who, to be honest, look like me, who are all going to be agreeing with each other because they all come from similar backgrounds to come up with a new idea. So the diversity that is eligible from bringing in not just women, Women, because we, when we talk about women, we're talking about women of color. We're talking about LGBTQ plus women. We're talking about differently abled women. It's that simple change of perspective that sparks imagination. Yeah. You know, we get to a place where we think that the options and opportunities that we recognize uh-huh. are the universe of options and opportunities. Like we actually think we can see it all and that there's just nothing. Right. What we don't understand is it's kind of like we are looking into the house, which is the universe of opportunities. What we don't understand is we're looking through a specific window. Mm. We don't even realize there are like 12 under other windows we could be <laughs> peeking in through. Like no idea. We think we're seeing the whole thing. So yes, Amazing. anytime we can bring somebody on board to help us look through, peek through a different window, everybody wins. We get a more complete picture of what those opportunities actually are, what the rest of that building and, and house looks like. How is that success impacting others? Is it still being, being shown as just the outlier or is it every woman is able to see it and go, I want to be them next? You know, I don't know that we we're at the place where we, yeah, I'm really thinking about this question. Yeah. Like, I don't know that we're at a place where you just think, yeah, that's going to be me next. I think we're definitely getting there. I suspect that our Gen Y mm-hmm. are coming in certainly with that perspective. I right. think with a Gen X being, you know, where I am, Hello. right? Yep. We're yep. Gen yep. X. The quietest generation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. And I know, right? And everything that we use today. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> but if you look around at everything of value today almost, we it's been built and is run by Gen X. So well, I don't want to detour us too much, but, <laughs> but we're not that quiet. Right, right. <laughs> um, that, you know, all, all that said, I, I think for Gen X, mm. we still... We don't see it as a foregone conclusion Okay. that just because we're contributing effectively, building the right relationship, showing our value, we're going to have that opportunity. I think we still have it that we're going to need to be willing to do three times as much. And I hate that that's still the the perspective, but I think that that's still there. I do believe that that's starting to to, um, kind of level out. 
to where people are, the younger folks are coming in and thinking, yeah, okay, that's that's the path I'm going to take or right. I, I'm going to follow in so-and-so's footsteps. Yep. We see enough examples now that we know that it's doable. And I, I also think we're, we're starting to approach, I, I, I catch myself doing this and reminding my clients this, is that why not me? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would hope that the end product of all of this would simply be this discussion and the reality would be that it is simply a matter of at one point, we're just not even going to realize whoever you are, what gender you are, what identity you have is important, but it is not going to stop you from being the one to do the job. Right. It may not even be a factor, right. not in the way it is today, right. right? It may be more of a factor of, oh, that's an interesting lens through which to look in the building. Exactly. Yes. Right. And this is something I did want to actually ask you about. We, I'm, I'm being yelled at by Anna because this conversation can go on for hours. On your Instagram, I did notice where you said how you can, you can train these people to do what it takes to succeed, but not to surrender their soul to do it. Yes. I, Love that. Please explain what you mean by that and how it actually works. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? We've all heard the notion of playing the game. Yep. Yes. Yep. You know, after being around for more than a couple of years at work, you, you've heard the notion of playing the game. And at some point you start to recognize what that might actually mean. Mm. Right. And unfortunately what that often means is setting aside the, the values that you consider be, to be core to who you are and maybe swapping them out for what you see is valued by the organization. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it might take the place of, you know, it might take the form of people pleasing and being a yes person, yep. uh, letting your integrity get a little slippery, you know, it, it, for the benefit of the organization or for the benefit of your career. Right. And from where I'm sitting, the best leaders are unapologetically themselves. Mm. They're not even the most liked or loved, but they're effective because there's a certain consistency and command with which they can walk into any situation, any unexpected, and bring their best thinking. And the only time we can bring our best thinking is when our thinking isn't hijacked by thinking that, again, yeah. Who we already are is not enough. Right. Right. When we get hijacked thinking that, you know, we're not enough like Bill over there, or we don't have the exact same background, you know, as Jen or whatever the case is, we have already put ourselves at a disadvantage, not because of that difference, but because now the, the quality of our thinking has been compromised by that rumination. Right. And so I, I want us to come to a place and the way that I do that is, you know, I won't get too far into it, but it, it's kind of looking, starting with self mastery and distinguishing what's most important to you and why, and then how you want that expressed in your leadership, how you want that expressed and how you show up and how you elevate others, getting clarity on what's actually important for your role. Because what I find a lot of women doing and really people in general is that when in doubt, do more. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Yep. You don't just pile on in hopes that something somewhere will stick. Right. Right. You need then to be deliberate. Then you're facing burnout anyway. 
Yes, yes. And that's what burnout is. At least that's how I teach it. Burnout is just doing, spending your time doing the wrong things. That's what burnout is. (laughs) Because you know what? When we're doing the right things and we see that our work matters, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, eight hours slips into 12 hours, slips into 15 hours, and we don't even notice because we're so in it. Okay. Right? So... And yeah, I, I can go on on this piece for a bit. And yeah. that last piece is really the leadership style. I think I, I, again, it sounds to me like we're going to have to have you back at some point because well, we, we could can, we can definitely talk yeah yes. talk more about that. But but definitely <laughs> it is about being true to yourself because from there you're showing up in a way that others respond to even better. Okay, I do want to talk real quick. The pandemic happened, and like you said, a lot of things that were on a positive upswing came to a halt because then we had to quickly shuffle and, you know, redirect ourselves and start talking only on really small cubes on our computer screen. Now it's coming back. What are we seeing? Are the improvements reemerging or were the improvements continuing throughout the entirety of the past two years? It might be too early for me to comment okay. on that piece, but I, what I will Uh, tell you briefly is that obviously we know and there's a lot of talk about how these last uh, two and something years have been a real point uh, inflection point and a source of reflection right for for working professionals and so I think definitely what we're I'm seeing is that there's a lot of hesitation to going back to the way things were people want to like what they're doing right People, I don't know if there's a sense of, uh, you know, recognizing our own, I don't know, longevity, no, and choosing mortality, okay, you know, or something like that and wanting to spend our time in a way that matters, in a way that feels good uh, and still, of course, pays the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just, I feel like, you know, obviously the dust hasn't settled. It's still settling and companies are still fighting and employees are still fighting with whether come back, partially come back, right. stay at home, you know, and, and what that's going to mean. Yeah. So yeah. ask me in a couple of years. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll mark it on my calendar. I want to wrap up this way if we can. I, I have a 16 year old daughter. She is not business-minded. Unfortunately, she's more like her father. So I keep saying that you need to find something else to help whatever career you want, which means she might be going into business at some point. What can you say to the young women of today who are getting ready to start their careers? How do we help them to hit the ground running as best they can? Oh, man. So I don't know if you can see. I had a class a couple nights ago, so this is on the screen from the class. But it says... (laughs) What is your decision driver? What I would say, and I have a, a 23-year-old daughter, mm. and here's what I say you know, to her, it's to be aware of what's driving her decisions. And what I mean by that is when you're thinking about your future and what you want to accomplish, are you being driven by you know, that inspiring vision or are you being driven by fear of something else that might not work out, right? Or right. ego of what other people might think. Sure. And and here's the thing, I'm not even saying that it's wrong to be driven by those other things, but the the wrong and the part that I say uh, makes the difference is when we're aware what our decision is being driven by. Okay. Right? So just just know what it is that's driving your intention. What do you want to do with the next five years and how's that going to make you feel? And Mm -hmm. is that 
the feeling you want driving your intention or is it the certainty that you want driving you know your next steps or what is that you know just to stay with that what is that what's driving that decision thank you so much azia i i cannot tell you how much this has meant to me this this I, I I say this a lot on these shows when I'm talking to my guests because my God, my people managed to get me the best guests, but this was a fantastic conversation and so important. Oh, thank you so much. I've loved being here so, so much and definitely look forward to, to being back. And in the meantime, anyone wants to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn or leadershipdivision.com. That takes you to my site. And I hope to see you at one of my upcoming events. Plus, you do actually offer in-person and virtual assistance. Yeah, right now it's virtual So I, I okay. for my coaching. However, I do actually go to live events. So I have one, for example, coming up in Anaheim next week and nice. another coming up in Ojai and San Diego in the next couple of months. So, you know, in-person is coming back. But for now, my coaching and my programs are virtual. Please, everyone out there, my friends, my team, give me a big round of applause for my guest, Azia Brubieska. Thank you so much again for coming on. And I hope you have enjoyed yourself here because um, it's time to put you on the hot seat. Here comes my speed round. Just my little silly cheese. So, Azia, as I was trying to tell you this a little bit before the show started... Uh, here's how this works. For 60 seconds, there's going to be some music playing. That just keeps me in mind of how long we have to talk. I'm going to ask you a series of completely innocuous questions. This is just for fun. But if you're feeling competitive at all, the number to beat is 13. So you need to try okay. in 60 seconds to answer 13 questions. Okay. Okay? Yes. Feeling up to it? We're gonna we're gonna bring it. We'll see. We're Lovely. Not it All right. Good luck to you. Because the questions start now. What's your name? Asia. How many kids do you have? Three. Which one's your favorite? None. Do you have any pets? Yes. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Don't take all advice as equal. Nice. Uh, would you rather spend five days exploring Disney World or New York City? New York City. Who's your favorite athlete? Oh, man. Oh, Tiger Woods. Nice. Um, what's the most important thing you learned in kindergarten? Play nice. <laughs> um, what TV family most reminds you of your own? Okay. Uh, what do you like to do on a rainy day? Oh, watch movies. And there we go. 60 seconds. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? All right. All right. You got 10. You got a very, very honorable 10. Again, Azia, <laughs> I'm glad. And thank you so much for coming on board. We look forward to having you on again, hopefully sometime soon. But if not, I'll talk to you in two years when you know you'll have those answers ready for my question. <laughs> you know I will. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you. That's great to hear. Thank you so much. And thank you, my team. That's it. We wrapped up another episode of Team Building Saves the World. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, whether you're new to the podcast or an old fan of the show, please be sure to share it with everyone you know, whether they're a coworker, friend, family, what have you. It matters to us because we need to share this vital information we're discussing here. You can find out all about us, including all of our past episodes, at teambonding.com slash podcast. You can also find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you go to listen, we will be there. If you go someplace that doesn't have us, reach out to us on social medias. Let us know, because I want to be everywhere. And speaking of those social medias, you can find us all over the place at Team Bond Podcast. That again, Team Bond Podcast. Leave me a message. Even if it's not telling me where you want to hear me, you can at least tell me whether you like the show or if you have an idea for a future episode, a topic you want to hear us discuss. I want to hear from you. So, my friends, before we say our final farewells for this episode of Team Building Saves the World, please never forget that if you are within the sound of my voice, you're on my team now, and I am forever going to be on yours. So long, team. I'll see you all next time. said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your co-workers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.